Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. John Lynch gave you, me, and basically every Broncos fan who grew up in the 80s watching John Elway a trip down nostalgia lane on Saturday when he did a news conference for the joint practices between the San Francisco 49ers and Denver Broncos. And what he did is he said that basically his idol is John Elway because of the help that that Elway gave to him to get to the point where he's now the general manager for an NFL franchise, the 49ers. But what he did with the nostalgia lane reference yeah is that he said that he mimicked john elway's pigeon toe walk and i as soon as i heard it i looked at my wife and i said i did it i guarantee you adam did it every single kid who grew up in the 80s in colorado at some point did the pigeon toe walk absolutely absolutely i did playing football in the backyard with my buddies uh you know out in the street you you know I want to be this guy. I want to be that guy. Everybody wanted to be John Elway. So you take the football and you get your pigeon toe walk going and you just see how far you can throw the football or how hard you can throw it. Like that was, 
that was what you did. So of course, like I wasn't one of those, you know, there was that guy that took it to the extreme where he just decided he was going to walk pigeon toed because John Elway was pigeon toed. And so he like messed up his legs. Somebody's got hip injuries. Now he's all screwed up, but he walked like John Elway when he was a kid. And that's just the way it was. So uh, it's, it's funny when you mention that, because when you bring that up it, to me, I hear this story. Do you remember back right before Super Bowl 32, all the interviews that were going on uh, with Brett Favre and John Elwin, they were, they were talking about, uh, you know, sort of Brett Favre doing this thing where he would mimic other quarterbacks, including John Elway. So he would, they, he, they show these videos of him before games warming up doing like the, you remember the chest thing? He did like the chest thing and then like the pigeon toed thing. And he would throw like John Elway and he kept, he would do all that stuff. And so they show him doing it. And so clearly it's not just us. It's not just, you know, kids growing up in Colorado in the eighties and nineties. It, it was Brett Favre as well. And Ben Roethlisberger is right. probably one who does it as well, since that's the reason he wears the number seven. And it's not because of Mickey Mantle. Although it, it probably could be. The, the Mick was great, right? The Mick was great. No, I love that. I, that to me, I love that story that, that John Lynch tells that story. Cause you could, you know, we can connect to that. Like we, I get that. I totally understand that. That's like your favorite baseball player swing. And then you try and mimic like, how many, how many times did you turn your hat around, flip around left-handed and try and have a sweet swing like Griffey or, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and everyone who's listening to this just nodded their heads just, because just, yep. they did it. Or they because went, baseball's boring, which, you know, I'm not going to get into that. That too. <laughs> Tim. Now that we got the nostalgia lane. I just, I'm, I'm going to say it. I cannot believe you've gone out of your way to not say memory lane. I'm not going to say memory lane. I'm going to say nostalgia lane. You're like, you've gone out of your way to just to, uh, avoid that cliche. Because I love nostalgia. I think it's a better word. It, it is. It makes you sound much smarter. Which doesn't happen very often. Well, you do what you can. So now that we got the nostalgia part taken care of, we can get back to the present day. And we talked about Garrett Bowles on the postgame podcast. And we basically based it off of the holding penalty that negated a long completion from Flacco to Emmanuel Sanders. And you called him a drive killer. I did. Matt McChesney highlighted both plays from Garrett Bowles, the holding penalty, but also one that I think is even worse. And that's a running play by Philip Lindsay, where McChesney lays out exactly the way that it should have gone. And he, and he shows that each offensive lineman actually did his job. And the fullback, George Aston, was in position to do his job. There's one person who didn't. And he was five yards behind the line of scrimmage. And in his tweet, McChesney, who is a former NFL offensive lineman, he does the zero six Academy where he trains six zero Academy, right? Zero six, six zero, six zero Academy. Okay. And he, he trains offensive linemen. He actually trained Dalton Reisner. He trained Connor McGovern. He trained Austin Schlotman. So he, he knows what he's doing. And if you haven't seen any of his breakdowns of the two plays by bulls in particular, you should 
definitely check it out. He has the the McChesney Unchained podcast. It's it's very good, and he doesn't hold back. It's just his style. If you you might have heard him on Orange and Blue Seven Sixty when he did a show with Brandon Cristal, but he said that he was being attacked, like he was attacking Garrett Bowles for the things that he was referencing. That's it, it, and it brought up an interesting question. When does it draw the line of attacking and being critical? You know, I so we we talked about this before recording, and I've kind of been kicking it around in my head. And uh, there's a couple things that I keep going back to. Um, one, Garrett Bowles has struggled his entire career since he since he arrived in Denver uh, when he was drafted in the first round. He has not been uh, a good left tackle. He's he's had issues with holding penalties and not being in the right place. And, and, and so there is a sense of fans being less forgiving with a guy who doesn't seem to grow. Okay. So I I think there is that aspect to it where Garrett Bowles doesn't look like a guy who's, who's been growing. Okay. And, and, and I can tell you the frustration level with fans is is pretty high because I wrote an article uh, based off of our podcast from the, the post game, after the San Francisco 49ers game, talking about how great Bradley Chubb and Shelby Harris were. And the very first comment in my article from the MHR community was about Garrett Bowles. And then the whole thread becomes about Garrett Bowles being not good enough and things like that. Now, I, I will say that there is there is a defense that people were, were sort of throwing around that was um, – you know, he only had the one holding penalty, which I think is is a good defense because it was like, okay, yeah, he only had the one penalty. But to see the breakdown that McChesney does on this on this blown play, really, by one guy, and it ends up sort of ruining the whole play, you kind of see a pattern with him. You see Garrett Bowles as someone who is uh, ultimately talented. I think he's got a ton of talent. He's I- incredibly strong. But he he's not he's not a football player, and I think maybe that's the problem that McChesney has with it. So so I kind of was thinking about as we were talking about the the things that I've seen McChesney say about Bowles, and the things that I've seen like Mark Schlereth, who is another guy who's who is hypercritical, I think, of Garrett Bowles, and the the point that they end up really making, if you sort of read between the lines is that they have a problem with Garrett Bowles because he is not a football player. He doesn't understand the game well enough to really be successful at the NFL level. And, and to me, that's fascinating. That's a, that's a whole other level. Uh, you, know, you know, Joe Mahoney played offensive line in college. He writes for Mile High Report. Joe Rolls does, does interesting breakdowns of, of video and things like that. And, and they, they can point to the things that Garrett Bowles does wrong, and they do a very good job of it. But when it comes down to the assessment that guys like McChesney and Schlereth and other offensive linemen who are now in the media have given, what I'm really taking away from it at this point, and this is something that is, has sort of hit me recently, what I really take away from it is that Garrett Bowles, for all of his size and strength and, and, and his heart, because I think he really wants to be great, he's just not a football player. He just doesn't understand the game well enough. And so he doesn't pick up on the nuances the way that other guys do. And so his success is going to be uh, hindered by that. And I don't know that there is anything you can do 
to teach him to be a football player. There are certain natural instincts that people have. I, I will tell you, as a, as a baseball player, I, I'm, I watch my son play baseball. He's seven years old. He does things with a baseball and a baseball glove and a baseball bat that at seven years old, I can't imagine seven-year-olds being able to do it, but he can just do it. He's clearly a baseball player. He understands. I don't think Garrett Bowles has that when it comes to football. The biggest issue that I have with Garrett Bowles, and it's directly related to that Monday night game, is he's making the same mistakes. He's doing the same things that he was doing as a rookie now in his third year. And by now, they should be figured out. Because it's not just Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper. He had great offensive line coaches last year when he was with the Broncos. When he had Sean Kugler. There you go. I was like, I was like, oh no. Uh. <laughs> as his as his main offensive line coach. So it, it's it's not like he hasn't had people to to help him and to teach him. Right. But it, it, when and when you see it in the third preseason game, and I get that there's been a lot of hype about the camp that he's had. Nikki Jabavala at the Athletic had a great story, a great breakdown, talking to Bulls, talking to Mike Munchak, and also talking to Bradley Chubb and saying that he he's had a good camp and he's he, he's going to turn the corner. But to have it happen in the third preseason game already. Yeah, no, that's you a know, huge area for concern to me because it's clear that he's not getting it. Right. And at some point you just have to say Okay, right. You either need to do it or you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. And if and on Saturday, if it happens again against a better offensive line because this is going to be the third preseason game, even though it's the fourth for the Broncos, it is the third preseason game. So this is the preseason game and you're going against the defense with Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator. The starters are not going to be resting for the Rams on Saturday. I would be it would be highly unlikely if they do, given it'll be their third preseason game. So this is going to be a huge test for Garrett Bowles on Saturday. Yeah, you know I think so. Just to kind of bring it back to I think the discussion that we we had started with because it you you can you could go for days and talk about the issues that he has. I think the question is, and, and the way that you posed it, and, and the idea behind it is. Is Garrett Bowles? Are are we? When is when does it become piling on? When does it become attacking a guy unnecessarily? Right? When when are you just going after a guy to go after a guy? And I think that's one of the things that when we talked before, you said that McChesney's been um, accused of that. But well, he he even said it in his tweet breaking down that that running play where he said that he's people are saying that he's attacking. Right. Exactly. Bowles. So. So I guess the question is, when does it become attacking a guy and when is it actually warranted? And I, I think that what we've come to, at least as far as this discussion goes, is that in your third season, as a first-round draft pick, and not a low first-round draft pick, but a high first-round draft pick, in your third season, these are the kinds of things that have to have changed by now, and they haven't. And the biggest issue becomes... Just how much of a detriment is he to the offense, knowing that 
the the play that McChesney points out, if everybody else does everything right and Garrett, Bo- Garrett Bowles is the only one who does something wrong and it causes the play to get blown up, that hurts that hurts the team, the whole team. And I, I think it maybe is unfair to expect perfection and maybe that's the thing that people start to get frustrated with. But this is this is the NFL. You are either successful or you are not. And to this point, as far as I can tell, he is not. I think the frustration comes from not the perfection aspect of it, but showing some sense that he's getting it figured out. Well, and I and think we're, and yeah. we're not seeing it. No, because McChesney says the, the football player thing. Exactly. And McChesney points out that if Bulls does his job, Philip Lindsay's going to hit his head on the goalpost. Oh, well, it's good he didn't because you don't want Philip Lindsay to hurt his head. He's He's got a lot of cushion. He's got the cool hairstyle and then the helmet as well. The league-approved helmet. Sorry, that was an unnecessary shot at Antonio Brown. We haven't talked about that, and I don't think we need to, but, man, what an idiot. Uh, <laughs> LOL Raiders. Couldn't have happened to a better franchise. <laughs> Trash. That's right. Hot garbage coming through. Um all right, well, let's let's do this. Let's stop bagging on Garrett Bowles because, you know, we don't need to be attacking somebody. He's trying hard. McChesney yeah. actually brought up a great point because you said that there really isn't any options after Garrett Bowles. Yeah. He I, did mention a very intriguing alternative to okay. left tackle, and I'm not talking about Elijah Wilkinson. What about moving Dalton Reisner to left tackle? That is an interesting thought. Here, here's what I will tell you about that. And this is sort of – here's the thing with that. Dalton Reisner is a guard. He's a very good guard. I, I am very excited about the potential of Dalton Reisner to be one of those anchor guys on the Broncos' offensive line for the next 10 to 12 years. I think if he is uh, – if, if he has the ability to stay healthy, which is – not really on his shoulders, but if he's lucky enough to stay healthy, he can have a solid career with Denver as a guard. And that is an important position, as important as any other position on the line except for maybe left tackle. I I think shifting a rookie over like that and saying, all right, we're relying on you. Well, I believe Dalton Reisner could do that. I I worry about what the ripple effect is throughout the rest of the offensive line. Like, how how does that impact where everybody else goes? Are you saying you're going to shift Garrett Bowles to guard? Because he can't play guard. Could you imagine him being a guard? The, the guard's footwork, he wouldn't be able to do it. I just don't think he has the ability. So now what are you doing with Garrett Bowles? And what are you doing with the rest of the offensive linemen? I, I feel like the domino effect there is a little too... There, there's too much involved there. Getting a new left tackle and saying bye-bye Garrett Bowles is one thing. Shifting Dalton Reisner to left tackle means you've got to shift somebody else to left guard, which means you've got to shift somebody else here and somebody else there and somebody else here and somebody else there. It's too many dominoes. So I can't speak for McChesney on who would move to left guard, but what I would do if this is – and it's, it's not going to happen. I think it's too late in the preseason to do this. But if it were to happen, you move Dalton Reisner to left tackle – Move Austin Schlotman, who started at right guard on Monday night, move him to left guard, and then you oh. still have Ronald Leary as the starting right guard. That's true. I could see that. So you have that. That actually is a um, 
a legitimate idea there. I think that that's something you could you could potentially do. It's probably not going to happen. No, like I said, it's, it's <laughs> no. way too late into the preseason, and you're not going to want to to ruin the development of Dalton Reisner by putting him at tackle and learning a new position. Although he did play right tackle at Kansas State, but right tackle and left tackle is different footwork. It's like, Night and day. It, it, yeah. It's like learning a new language. So while it'd be interesting, it, it, it's not going to happen. Another possibility, and we touched on this on the post game podcast, is a trade for Trent Williams. The and possibility? As, it, as it stands now, it's not possible because of the salary cap. The Broncos don't have the cap space to do it. But that got me to thinking there's a move they could make with one of the two veterans that are on the roster who are potentially in their last year with the organization. And by all accounts, both of them are. So would you ship Chris Harris Jr. or Emmanuel Sanders to Washington for Trent Williams? So you're going to get something for either Harris or Sanders. And by all accounts, this is both of their last years with the Broncos, you get your anchor at left tackle for the next five to seven years if you make this trade. Okay, so here's what I will tell you. One guy I would say yes to and the other guy I would say no to. And I'll let you guess. Let's just see how well you can guess. I would say yes to one guy and no to the other. You would say yes to Emmanuel Sanders, no to Chris Harris Jr. Absolutely, and here's why. I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be giving any hometown discounts to the Denver Broncos anytime soon. I also think a guy coming off an Achilles injury like that, while incredible to be able to come back the way he has, and it's only been one game, but he had some really good plays, I, I think I'm more willing to part with an offensive weapon there because I think there are guys to replace him. Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. I mean, there there are Juwan people Winfrey. there. Juwan Winfrey, who I think looked really good. We didn't really talk about him, but I do think he looked really good against like the one twos or even like the three fours when he was out. He just looked like he was like, why did they leave that starter in? That wasn't fair. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. I, I think that the Broncos have replacements on the offensive side of the football. I don't think they have a replacement for Chris Harris Jr. right now on the defensive side. And that's not to say that they don't have guys that could step up and fill a role. I just think that the value that they give to the team is different. So if you could convince Washington that they really need a guy like Emmanuel Sanders and they should take Emmanuel Sanders and maybe a first-round draft pick. Or a second. Or a second. Maybe Emmanuel in a second. I think that's a trade that you that you like you jump over people for that trade. You'd knock people down to make that trade. If it's Chris Harris Jr., I I take a long pause on that. I also think that there is a chance, and I know indications are that he's not going to be back next year with the Denver Broncos, but I think there's a chance that maybe, just maybe, if the team is trending in the right direction, he's going to be able to, or the Broncos will be able to, work out some type of deal with his contract so that it's cap-friendly, Chris Harris Jr. friendly and 
keeps him with the team for another two, maybe three seasons. You know, you give him like a, a two year contract with a third year option and you you front load it or whatever you got to do, make sure that you have the cash considerations taken care of. You can make a you could make a contract work for Chris Harris Jr., I think. I don't think you'd be able to do that with Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think you pay a guy like Emmanuel Sanders the money that he's gonna demand anyway. So I think moving on from him is probably the right way to go. So why not make the trade? I, that that trade is something like if you could call John Elway and, and let him know that you were thinking about that, I would recommend doing it. And I'm with you. I, I think I, if it's Emmanuel Sanders, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. I would try to get it from a first-round pick down to a second-round pick and maybe a conditional pick in 2021. What if that conditional so, pick is Trevor Lawrence, though? <laughs> I'll stop. I'm sorry. Yeah, because you know he's going to end up in New England. Don't say those things. You do that on purpose, and it gets me fired up, and I don't like it. Oh, just hate that. You do it on purpose. Speaking of quarterbacks, (laughs) we we got the the MRI back from Drew Locke's thumb, and despite the fact that Locke told the media after the game on Monday that this is like the thousands of times he's jammed his thumb playing basketball – it sounds like he's going to be out into the regular season. What so, kind of terrible ob- basketball player is he that he's jammed his thumb thousands of times playing basketball? Like you, you got to be awful to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. It makes me wonder how he's jamming his thumb. Yeah. Is he one of those guys that just dives on the ball uh, on the floor for every loose ball? Like the ball goes out of bounds and he dives on it, and everyone's standing there like Drew. What are you doing? He's like, you got to get out on the ball. They're like, uh, not. When the play is dead, like, what are you doing? Or is he just that guy that, like, he can't judge the rebound and the ball just sort of falls into his – like, he just can't – he has no way of gauging where the ball's actually going to go, and so he just keeps jamming his thumb. So we got the MRI results back. So he – obviously that means that Kevin Hogan is going to be the backup quarterback. There's debate of whether he should. Does it matter? The thing that's interesting is what do the Broncos do when Locke comes back? Does Locke step into the backup quarterback? Because if you follow any of the Broncos reporters, uh, James Palmer with NFL Network said that it, it seemed to be trending to the direction of Locke being the backup quarterback. Do they still do that when he comes back? Or do they wait and see if any veterans get released and do they try to pick him up and have that be the backup quarterback until Locke gets back yeah you know what I think the more I think about it the more I just feel like it just doesn't matter and I know that sounds sort of silly like this is a a Denver Broncos podcast you should have an opinion about what they should do you know what I really don't care what they do at the backup quarterback position here's here's the bottom line if Drew Locke can't play right now he can't play right now if Joe Flacco gets injured and he can't be the Broncos quarterback, season's over. So what's the difference? Does it matter if it's Kevin Hogan or uh, Josh McCown? Is he even is he around? Is it or maybe they go get Mark Sanchez out of the ESPN College Football booth? Or and, and how how many of you vomited after I said that? You know, do they do they go try and rehash something with Brock Osweiler? What what other veteran quarterback is that? Who cares? If if Flacco's injured and Locke is injured, the season's over. We'll all just go home. But just you know, they just don't even have to go to the games. So 
I can't. Sure, Je- Kevin. Ho- I'm fine with Kevin Hogan being the backup because if he sees any playing time, the season's over anyway. With that- you, I, I really don't. I really don't care who the backup quarterback is because <laughs> if Joe Fla- if the way Joe Flacco has played when I've seen him at practice, and I I really like the way he played on Monday. Yeah. I, I think I think Flacco and the offense are going to surprise people. It's just a matter of keeping him upright in the offensive line doing its job, namely the guy who plays left tackle. Which we we sort of have been piling on, on on him, so we'll try not to do it anymore, right? Is that is that where we went with that? No, I seriously I, I know I, feel, I almost feel bad. I'm like just who who cares? I just can't even I can't even find a way to care about it. We gotta hold back. Oh, up wow, you plopped that out there and expected it to perform, didn't you? And it did. It did. It certainly did. I like it. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, speaking of which, um, the Broncos are going to plop it out there and expect it to perform against the Rams on Saturday. So we we should probably touch on the game just a little bit. Just a little bit. They are going to play. They are going to play, and I think the starters will play the entire first half. I don't know if they'll play. They may play into the third quarter. I, the thing I really want to see, aside from Garrett Bowles showing some semblance that he's capable of improving, yeah, that he's going to take the next step or two, that he's going to be able to hold down the left tackle position. Oh, yes, that was. I want to. I really want to see if the offense can can cap off a drive with a touchdown. I, I really want even if it's not the first drive to lead the game, I want to see the number one offense at least get a touchdown, at least get some sort of confidence heading into the regular season that they're going to be able to to get points on the board and, and get touchdowns. And I, I think that this is a, a an important spot to point out that we've touched on the red zone stuff Philip Lindsay talked after the game about how Scangarello has not implemented any of the red zone offense in the preseason. So it is purely vanilla. It is purely bland on purpose. So if you're worried at all about the red zone stuff, don't be. They haven't even put it in. Right. So I would still like to see them get at least one touchdown from the starting offense so that they, they get that. Yeah, that, so you get the, that confidence that, that we talked about in the last podcast, that feeling of this is what it feels like to to finish a drive. Like you want them to finish a drive with with a touchdown and you want that feeling to to sort of 
become something that they recognize, understand, and and then want to be able to go out and get more and more often. I get where you're going with that. I, I think that's a good thing to watch for. Um, I, I for me, it's you know as far as the offense goes, it's timing. I would like to see uh, just how mu- how good. Joe Flacco is in throwing the football to his guys again. I just like to see that timing. I, I, I don't know that we'll see how much do you think we'll see a Noah Fant? You know, that's one of those things where rookie tight end injures his ankle. I don't think you really need to look for that, but just timing on offense. Like, is the offense able to, like you said, move the football? Can they do that against what is going to be a, a pretty good defense? I wonder who's going to start for the Rams, though, right? That's kind of the other thing that you have to think about. Are all of their starters gonna gonna play, and how long are they gonna play for? And would you rather that they didn't? Because I like I would rather Aaron Donald just miss the game. <laughs> he could just not show up. That'd be fine. I think we'd all be fine with that, just for safety's sake. In terms of that matchup, I'd like to see how Dalton Reisner does against Aaron Donald. I mean, I'm not. I don't think there's any way that right. Reisner is going to be able to to come away winning that battle, but I'm curious to see it because Dalton Reisner is a very competitive guy and he is a very mean guy. And I, I, I would love to see that kind of a matchup. I I'd love to see how the rookie does against arguably the best defender in the national football league, not named Von Miller. Yeah. I I think you're absolutely right. That, that is, that would be a fun one to watch, but not for too long. Cause again, I'd just like to, I'd like people to end the game upright. That's kind of important. (laughs) <laughs> and just quite frankly, I don't think there is a rookie out there that is going to be able to compete with Aaron Donald. That's not Dalton Reisner's fault. We're talking about how great Aaron Donald is, not how bad Dalton Reisner is. So that's that to me is one of those things which make it clear here. This guy is on a, he's on another planet, right? It's not just another level. It's another planet. So you don't want to get too crazy with that. I, you know, the other thing that I'm curious about, though, and it's on the defensive side of the football. The, the Rams have an explosive offense. The Rams have an offense that is is run by a guy, you know, young innovator in Sean McVay. Everybody's very excited about it. Is the defense going to find the same amount of success, at least the starting defense, as they did against the San Francisco 49ers? I, I doubt it will be the same level of success, but will Bradley Chubb and Shelby Harris, who uh, I was really, really excited about after that 49ers game, will they be able to continue to have an impact? Will they be able to continue to to pressure the quarterback and, and make things happen on defense. Is is Von Miller going to show up or is he just coasting through the preseason? I think he's coasting. I think he's like, yeah, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'll, we play the Raiders on Monday night in a couple weeks and I'll be there. As of right now, I'm just a body on the field kind of thing. But I, I am curious to see how well the defense can play against an offense of this caliber. I want to see if some of the guys who sat out against the 49ers on defense – play well that's a good question too. against the rams so bryce callahan kareem jackson sua cravens i'd like to see if those guys are able to play because if they are it's going to make a huge difference and the starting defense looked like it's going to be really good even without those guys yeah so if you're able to add kareem jackson bryce callahan and will parks back into the lineup Hopefully Malik Reed is able to go because I think he's going to be a guy who will fill in as an edge, a depth edge guy. So there's that depth thing again. Depth. Oh, look, depth. 
So that's what I'm looking forward to. In terms of the Rams, my big question is, and not just as someone who plays fantasy football, but what is the status of Todd Gurley and what is his role going to be for this offense? Uh, you know we're, what? Probably not, we're probably not going to see anything in this yeah, preseason you're... game that's going to show us that. No. But to me, that's the biggest question around the Los Angeles Rams because if he's healthy in that Super Bowl or if they if he was healthy and they didn't utilize him. It's just such a weird – it was a, a, a strange phenomenon that a guy who is – I mean, let's face it, he was the best offensive player they had. He was carrying that team to the Super Bowl, and they were they're very good on offense in all facets. Like, don't get me wrong, you watch those Rams play; that offense is insane. It's how good it is. It is beyond belief what happened with Todd Gurley at the end of the year last year, and what is the carryover going to be? That's not just the biggest question mark for this game. That's the biggest question mark for I think the entire NFL for the entire preseason and into the beginning of the season what's going on with Todd Gurley and what's going to happen with him not just from a fantasy perspective although if you drafted Todd Gurley you better draft Daryl Henderson what is going to happen with him in it's just what is going on it's like the weirdest soap opera that doesn't involve any like strange murders or people hooking up or anything like that it's just a guy who just he just disappeared all of his skills vanished he chucked knoblocked Ooh, good reference. Right? He can't make the throw from second base anymore. That's just what happened. That's painful. Yeah, it was a little pain. Hey, they still won. How many Yankee fans are out there listening to this right now going, oh, I remember that. And then how many non-Yankee fans are out there going, what are they What are they talking about? Chuck Knobloch. It's spelled with a K, K-N-O-B-L, something or other. Look it up. He Chuck Knobloch. Or he Rick Ann Keeled. He played for the Twins, and then his career was made when he went to New York. As, as happens to many people. Yeah, that's true. And then his career was undone when he went to New York. That too. I mean, just a strange mental phenomenon. I, th- I honestly think that I, I think that Todd Gurley's issue is more mental than anything else. That's, that's all I can think right there. Just a and it, 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 I, I, I tend to agree with you uh, that it is the question – surrounding the NFL aside from does it even matter if Antonio Brown wears a helmet no I prefer if he didn't actually I got I just don't even it's such a stupid question <laughs> 2300 guys went okay I'll wear a different helmet Antonio Brown went not me you guys I'm not doing it uh, all right be a baby uh, he's a baby he's a big baby he's a very hey. talented big baby and he doesn't know how to use a cryogenic chamber on his feet. I mean, wouldn't you wear like socks or something? I mean, I don't, I don't, I would love to know how that happened. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.